Welcome to Meet the Musician, Katie Milua at the Apple Store, Kurfürstendamm in Berlin. And please welcome our guest moderator, Gerlinda Jeneker. Hello, thank you so much. It's very exciting for me to be here today because um, we're going to meet this really amazing artist, Katie Milua, today. And um, we were, we'll be talking about her new album, of course, which is uh, just coming out. And we'll talk about touring, which is a very big passion for her. And uh, I think we'll have a lot of fun questions to ask her together then. But before we welcome her on stage, we would like to show you a little movie about Katie Malua talking about her new album. So Ketavan is my sixth studio album. This is an album that, I guess unlike the last one, there are no covers on it. Probably, this is the first time I've ever done an album with no covers on it. And the original songs stem from, from myself, from Mike Bat, of course, and from Luke Bat, as well as Toby Jepsen. And Mike and Luke, you know, a, a brand new father and son production team who are very exciting and have been amazing to work with. You know, both in terms of working as producers and also on the songwriting front. Um, should we do another one of those? I think we should. To interesting about this record is there's a lot of different faces to it. There's the kind of the storytelling romantic side of it in songs like Where Does the Ocean Go uh, or Sailing Ships from Heaven and then there's the more rocky bluesy element to it and I think we've managed to capture that rocky bluesy side with songs like Love is a Silent Thief and Shiver and Shake. Swing that hair around and around Shiver and shake. There's also, as well as the rocky side, there's there's a lot of the jazzy kind of, I guess, smoky kind of sultry blues singer, which I also love. I love that side of I love being that kind of retro vintage artist too. When you fall in love too careless and too fast It may never last It's a frightening view You'll fall down with a bump I never fall I always 
Listen to that. That's Tim Harry's The Legend that is on the bass, on the double bass. This is a song that I wrote with Toby Jepson. We really hit it off and we, we got on really well. We wrote Love is a Silent Thief and Chase Me, two tracks for Ketevan. And uh, yeah, this is where definitely the rocky side and the bluesy side comes out. All I know is we can live without it. This is the love I'm frightened of. It's a song written by Luke. To me, this song is really special because it's it is a love song, but I think it's a love song for people that aren't used to being in love and it's kind of not really working out for them and so it's nice to kind of get into that headspace and, and put those emotions and those thoughts into performing this song. This is the love I'm frightened of Doesn't come with a leaflet that says how to keep it This is the love that can't be seen No detailed instructions or Japanese symbols like you find on a washing machine. Never Felt Less Like Dancing is the first track from Ketevan. And this is a song that actually Mike came across the title for it on Twitter. Someone he was following tweeted, they were talking about an event they went to and they, and they put, I never felt less like dancing. And so he thought, this is a brilliant song title. I love, I love singing this song. Never felt less like dancing I never felt more like hiding myself away Never felt so great Never felt more like weeping Never felt more like sneaking away Creeping away to cry I have to confess I've never felt less like dancing The production style really ranges from simple voice and piano to more adventurous orchestral aspects and again I think that the differences in the song really facilitates that quite well Out of it and I hope people will get what they want out of these sets of songs. Wow, everybody should buy the album, absolutely. So please, let's welcome the fabulous, multi-talented Katie Malua. Thank you. Thank you. Exciting. Thank you. <laughs> this is it's very, very touching. Your music goes so much to the heart and it's, you, you, I can actually see that you're touched by it too. What keeps you from crying all the time because your music is so beautiful? <laughs> well, no, sometimes you do have to cry. That's part of the job. Um, 
I have always had music just, you know, destroy me, save me, uh, you know, take me out of any problems. So, uh, yeah, that does happen. But most of the time, it is a savior, and it's something you can kind of escape into when life gets a bit tough. You, you were actually one person to really make me cry. There was this... <laughs> Sorry this, about uh, that. No, 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 it was, it was, a, it was a nice kind of crying, because what was this movie called where you sang that Cure cover at the end of the movie? Oh, With, I, I think, think was it Reese Witherspoon? Uh, yeah, wasn't that um, Just Like Heaven? Yes. I think it was, yeah. Oh, well, that was the was, name of the film and the song. Yes, that was really beautiful. Then I have to ask you, you look amazing, and I really have to know how you do that. Don't tell me you're vegan, you don't smoke, and you drink. Not uh, at all, because then I will never look like <laughs> you. No, you know what? Having an amazing hair and makeup artist is... Okay. You know, it, you know I mean, I can lie and say, you know, I, I wake up like this. So even you don't look like Katie Malua when you wake up in the morning and look in the no, mirror. No, definitely not. Definitely not. And my husband will uh, vouch for that. You know. So, first of all, <laughs> welcome to Berlin, a Thank city you. you like, I think. I I've heard that before. Here. You've been here before. It's such a great energy here. It's fantastic. I was here yesterday and I went for a bit of a run around the park, and it's just stunning. Really, really cool city. And it's a good day for you to come because today, the Weihnachtsmärkte open in Berlin, and you like that. You've been to I a Weihnachtsmärkte in Berlin before. I adore the Christmas markets. I mean, just overall throughout Germany, they're so beautiful, they're so stunning. It, it gets you in the Christmas mood so well. It's nice, and even the radio station started playing uh, uh, Christmas songs today, okay. so uh, you're in the right place to be in a little bit of a Christmas mood. Um, did, you, did you Twitter already about coming here today? Do you Twitter still? Do you still uh, yeah, I do, absolutely. I haven't been on my phone yet this morning. It's mm -hmm. been a bit um, busy sort of at the hotel and getting ready for this event, but uh, I will be definitely tweeting afterwards. How many followers do you have? Uh, I think it's something like 25K, I think. Something okay. like that. So Is there well. anybody you follow? Yeah, do you know who I follow? I follow people like Leonard Cohen, mm -hmm. Joni Mitchell, Moby. He's, he's always tweeting. He's always tweeting about politics. Okay. And actually being a vegetarian. Really? Yeah, that's what he always tweets about. Uh, and then also, um, I try to find, like, I love my poetry, th so I try to find any poets that tweet. Mm -hmm. All of my favorite ones don't tweet. I, I don't think they've quite moved into the, that sort of format of communicating. Um, people like Anne Carson, mm -hmm. uh, I think who's a Canadian poet. So I, you know, I tried to seek you know, various people out on Twitter. Okay. So um, you've been uh, in Hamburg with your new uh, tour, mm -hmm. and I've read the reviews, and everybody seemed quite excited because it was really, really nice, very common. Everybody was writing, if, you, if you're not yet in a Christmas mood and you want to be in a Christmas mood, you have to go there because it gives you this warm, fuzzy Christmas feeling <laughs> already. Do you have that intention That's with doing cool. that too? Well, I wasn't really thinking of Christmas, to be honest, <laughs> when I was kind of getting the album ready and this tour ready, but um, I guess there's a lot of moments of um, uh, contemplation, you know, during the set. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of moments of, I guess, intimacy, um, you know, and closeness between me and the band. Mm -hmm. You know, the boys that I play with and my family on the road. I, I feel so lucky after 10 years to still be touring and to still be asked to visit, you know, cities and, you know, countries like Germany. Um, so yeah, it's, it is definitely full of love and, and, and friendship, mm -hmm. um, even when the songs are really sad and make you want to cry. And you like um, covering also, like the Bond songs? You've yeah, did well that there's um, is that going to happen again? Yeah, you know what, that song has a, an unusual story because I don't, 
you know, when you pick a cover, you have to tread so carefully because, you know, you're treading on everyone's preconceptions of that song. Mm -hmm. you're, you're heading in the territory of where the previous vocalist or artist has taken that song. So you have to be really careful. And I don't think I would have ever sang a song like um, Diamonds Are Forever. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just such a classic. You kind of think, oh, no, stay away from it. And also the style of it uh, didn't really, I didn't really think I could better it or do anything with it. It seemed so much in the sort of uh, epic film mm -hmm. song category. But I actually sang it um, by accident because my, um, uh, my neighbor uh, passed away and he was a jeweler. Mm -hmm. And his partner asked me to sing at the memorial, and he was just the most fabulous character. Oh. He came to my wedding wearing like pink trousers, oh, and just so sweet. brilliant. And I said, you know, what if I try Diamonds Are Forever? And his partner just, you know, I could tell he was really touched by that. Mm -hmm. I had about a week to learn it, mm -hmm. and I performed it at the ceremony, and uh, it was one of the most sort of, I kind of felt just destroyed with that song, you know, when I performed mm -hmm. it. I mean, of course, the event itself, you know, and what, what had happened yeah. was a big part of it. So I now take that song with me. You kept like it. Yeah, I kept it. Uh, Ketavan is the name of your new album. Yep. Tell us about that name. Okay, so Ketavan is my uh, Georgian birth name. Mm -hmm. So it's the long version of my name. And people ask me, you know, so were you called Ketavan when you were a kid? And, and no, unless I was in trouble. <laughs> you know, Which so hardly probably ever happened because well, I met you backstage and she is the sweetest piece of sugar, really. She is so... Well, you've only met me for five minutes. I know, know so. but you know, <laughs> you, you didn't kick me out right away. That happened before. Oh, really? <laughs> Who weird? Um, so, um, Ketavan, the new album, you, you, uh, I, I just saw you, you were always uh, also with a, with a big orchestra, like with yeah. the last album. Yeah, you know what, I've always been fascinated by orchestras and that fascination started here in Germany. Um, mm -hmm. I played at the Stuttgart Jazz Open. The first one was, I think, 2007. And we've had orchestras on the albums throughout the years, but they've always been the sort of the finishing touch of mm -hmm. the record, the, you know, the last, the last ingredient. In Stuttgart, playing a full hour and a half with an orchestra was just such an addictive, you know, experience. I got really obsessed and mm -hmm. um, also working with Mike Bat, my longtime collaborator, mm -hmm. he arranges, you know, he's a brilliant arranger. So it felt very natural to kind of go into uh, Secret Symphony, the previous album, and make that a sort of orchestral based record. Uh, so yeah, with this one, we kind of went back to the way we'd made the first few records, mm -hmm. where the orchestra was used towards the end, but still an integral part of the album. So you like recording albums with an orchestra, oh, and yes. you like to perform, and you love touring. Tell us about what happens on tour. Why is that so, such a passion, such a great passion for you? Uh, have you seen the film The Last Waltz? You know, the one with the band, and uh, it's also got Dylan, Joni Mitchell, um, okay. Neil Young, it's, it's like the most legendary music DVD okay. ever. And of course, you know, the, the artists and the, and the group that's on there is, is, you know, it's all from the 60s and early 70s and they toured and that was a definite vibe of what it was like to go on the road. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I'm, I mean, I guess what I've experienced is probably something completely different, but there is that vibe of just, I don't know, being like a free spirit when you go on the road and and all, you, all you've got to do is just make music for a few hours and entertain people, you know, and you, you form these bonds with the band and, and the crew 
you know, in that whole lifestyle, I just adore it. So it's for all those reasons that I love it. Do you have a lot of, um, do, do, you, do you meet fans also? I mean, do you get in touch with them, actually, with I the guess, audience? You know what, these days, Twitter is quite incredible because it has you in direct contact with fans and it also, it's, you know, it's instant, which is amazing because I guess when you had fan mail like a decade ago or 20 years ago, mm -hmm. you might be in direct contact, but it will probably take a few days or a few weeks to, you know, get the communication going. But now, it, so that I guess that's my way. In terms of physically meeting, occasionally there might be a, a signing after the gig, but that's mm -hmm. not always the case. It kind of depends on the venue and what's going on. You probably don't get that a lot, of, but if I were like a famous rock star, I could not do that because I'd be so afraid of all the haters. Do you actually read all the tweets? I mean, oh. you, is, there, is there like things where you say, no, no, you know, where you think you can't even control it anymore you know because what? people are getting mean? Um, I, I haven't found that. I found Twitter is relatively kind to me, or the people on there are pretty kind. I had one really, um, quite a horrible one, and I know we said we weren't going to get into politics, but let me just tell you what happened. Um, a couple of weeks ago, it was uh, in Saudi Arabia, it was um, Women's Driving Day, mm -hmm. and I sort of, you know, saw this on the news, and so I tweeted, oh, you know, supporting Amnesty International and, and the women in Saudi Arabia, mm -hmm. you know, going out and driving and being able to have that freedom. Uh, and, you know, got a lovely tweet back from one of the women that, that was sort of heading that campaign. And I had wow. a very hateful message from, obviously, a very extremist Saudi Arabian guy saying, mm -hmm. you know, shut up, be bleep, bleep, bleep. Um, you know, very, very rude. And that was just so shocking because you kind of think, actually, this is, this is serious and this is real. And So did you ignore you know, it or did you write something? I, I did ignore Retweet. it. Retweet. Well, there was, there was also, uh, equally, there was a, a very wonderful Saudi Arabian guy that tweeted the other guy and said, you know, he's a, you know, whatever, and, mm -hmm. you know, got very heated. And then the British guy was, there was a British guy that tweeted something like, um, you know, oh, you know, you should block, block the guy out. Mm -hmm. and so it's quite interesting to see di different cultures and how people communicate on there. And, you know, some are extremely, you know, vile with the language. Others are a bit more moderate. So, but apart from that, it's been fine. Pretty good. And um, you have so many followers and you have so many people listening to what you say. You, you do realize you have quite a power. Like, because I, um, I, I follow on Facebook Eva Longoria and she's okay. so uh, into politics and she has so much power because people, you know, who don't care about politics mm -hmm. will just follow what she says. So do you, are you aware of, you know, what, how people... Well, could be under your influence about what you do? N not too much because, you know, I wouldn't like to think, I mean, if I, if I was in an odd state of mind and I tweeted something that I later regretted, mm. you know, I'd, I would hate to think of the consequences and how many people it was affecting. So I try not to think about that. And yeah, okay, as far as I'm concerned, the only power I might have is maybe raising awareness for something. And mm -hmm. that's about it. And that, that's the maximum that I'd like to tap into it, really. You are a most amazing young woman. How old are you? Can I still I, ask you that? Yeah, yeah, I'm 29. She's 29. <laughs> you compose, you write, you set up a world record, which we will talk about. Um, you already have a best of album, yeah, which most people just do after so many years. You won the Echo, you won the Golden Camera. When do you know it's time for a rest? Because I was reading Wikipedia to, to check you out. I was kind of uh, 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 internet and Google stalking you. And I was like, oh my God, you know, I, 
get up in the morning, I'm tired, I go to work, and then I go home, I go to bed. And sometimes, you know, I party. But you do so much, you work so hard. And how do you know when you, when you, when you say, okay, this is enough, I really have to rest? I think you just have to listen to your body, you know, and your mind as much as you can. I mean, I, I didn't always have it figured out. I actually had a bit of a, a crash in 2010 where I wasn't listening to myself and, um, you know, and I got ill. So I, I definitely haven't got the perfect balance of that. You know, I think I'm getting there. I'm getting there now. That was a, a big lesson to learn. It's a lesson. And then you probably know how to relax. I mean, do you have a lot yeah. of free time? Uh, not that much. Not as much as I'd like. But when I do, the best thing for me is to go back home, go to Georgia. Okay. Because you know, my whole family is still there, apart from mum, dad, and my brother. So I go back to Georgia and... What uh, language do you speak with them? Uh, Georgian. You really kn still know the language? Yeah, well, because mum and dad just always kept it up at home in London, you know, in the UK. Okay, yeah. and, you, and you speak Russian also? Yeah, not as well as Georgian, though. Um, okay. And Rus so Russian's probably my second language. Okay, would you ever do a Georgian version of a song? You probably you know, have. Actually, yeah, and in the in the tour at the moment, we've got I've got a Georgian song really? that I'm doing. Yeah, a really famous, um, most sort of traditional Georgian folk song called Suliko. Wow. So I do I do that one. So we'll be looking forward to Katie Malua on tour. Um, you set up a world record for singing underwater. <laughs> basically, do you know what? I didn't set it up. I had the phone call. Uh, 2005 and I basically said yes and it just sounded intriguing it sounded mad um, it sounded like an adventure and I'm generally speaking up for an adventure so what happened did what it. did you do what was it all about well basically it was at the bottom of a gas rig of the coast of Norway how deep is that Oh, well, I knew you were going to ask me. I want to say like 800 meters okay. but that's a guess you're gonna have to look that up I'm okay. sorry I should know that <laughs> um, yes yeah, so Basically, the training for it was the most intense part because we had to get into um, a helicopter that was then manually lowered into a swimming pool. We had to break the glass windows while wearing this like special suit, get, get out of the, the window of the helicopter underwater while it's rotating um, and then escape, you know, alive. And then we also had to practice escaping the gas rig, but on a sort of... Um, uh, a manual, uh, like a lifeboat, but it was sort of, it was like um, a metallic thing. It was quite bizarre. And that was about 30 meters above the sea level. And that's a lot of preparation for yeah. the concert. And were there, was there an audience? Were there, there people? Was, so it was the workers uh, at the ah, gas rig okay. and they all had their orange suits and their hard hats. And I've, you know, oh. I mean, I've played to some odd looking people, <laughs> but uh, never, uh, you know, gas workers. That sounds nice. It, well, it was bizarre. And the oddest thing was the lift took 10 minutes to go down to the bottom. You know, so sometimes people have asked, oh, did you have to get into any scuba gear? There was none of that. It's a building that goes to the bottom of the ocean. No, I wasn't. But the only bit I was scared is the lift had a little gap between, you know, the actual carriage and the door. Mm -hmm. So you sort of looked down and it was went down for eternity. And so once you step into the lift and before it started moving down, it kind of, it sort of bumped. And that was a bit where we all went, and then it was fine, and 10 minutes of going down. So I probably don't have to ask you if that, if that was the most exciting experience in your career, was uh, it? It was pretty exciting, although probably didn't come close to when I got to play with Queen. When was that? That was, I think that was a year or two, no, a year before. 
in um, South Africa for an incredible Nelson Mandela concert called 4664, his charity. Wow, what did you sing? I sang Too Much Love Will Kill You. I used to listen to Queen, you know, when I was a kid back in Georgia. My uncles, we, you know, in Georgia, we lived the whole extended family. And um, they used to play a lot of Led Zeppelin, a lot of Queen. Mm -hmm. I used to kind of, you know, play air guitar to Bohemian Rhapsody or I Want to Break Free. And then when my first album came out and I would always talk about Queen being an influence, um, Brian May actually rung up my manager and said, you know, so nice that Katie's been talking about us in the wow. press and and then said would you um would she be up for singing with us and what did you say weren't you like oh my god I was pretty much like hold on a second <laughs> let me hang up the phone call me back I'm gonna slap myself <laughs> and then call me back and tell me that's actually real it was just out of this world wow do you ever panic I mean you're quite young and you started so many years ago this is your 10th 10 year anniversary yeah. actually um do you ever, you know, you're like, I can't do this. They can't do this. I can't do this. Not really, no. I mean, there's been, uh, there was a bit of a um, struggle to kind of get back into it after I had to take some time off. Mm -hmm. But um, the main panic is probably more about not being able to do it or, or thinking that something will stop me from, you know, singing or making music. So now that you've achieved so much, I mean, you've been doing all these nice things. Are there any plans where you say, ah, that's something I would really like to do? Um, I, I feel like there's still a lot to achieve, definitely. You know, and I'm so, I'm still proud of what I've done. One thing I would like to do, we touched upon it, is to make a Georgian language album. You know, with Georgian, either folk music or maybe writing Georgian. But I think to do that, I'd have to go and live there for like three to four months to kind of immerse myself in the musical culture again. It would be different, right? I guess so, That's yeah. Different. Of course, definitely, yeah. Massively okay. so. So maybe play in a movie or write a book about your exciting life? Oh, well, maybe, but um, no plans yet. I mean, I just want to carry on being a working musician. Yeah, that's, that's the dream. So you're planning on doing a couple more albums then? Maybe a bit more, actually. It'd be nice to do more. How long have you been couple. touring now with, with your new album? Oh, new album. We've only... This is our fifth gig in tonight, Berlin. Okay. And how long are you going to go still? Uh, about a month. The whole, the whole tour is about a month. Europe? Yeah, just, just Europe. Europe. It's predominantly Germany, France. Uh, we're going to Austria and Switzerland. Is there any place you really like to, you know, go as your favorite place where you say, ah, this is my favorite place? Do you know what, I've got perform. a soft spot for Norway, just because the nature there is just to die for. Really beautiful. The light there is stunning. And uh, e even in the cities uh, like Oslo or Bergen, it's just really beautiful. And is the landscapes. audience nice? Because I would expect maybe they would be a little more, you know, laid back and... No, they're pretty cool. Yeah? They're pretty nice, yeah. I, I find, I know countries always want you to say, oh, you know, our country is the best audience. But um, it does depend on whether you're playing standing venues or sit-down venues mm -hmm. or, you know, what the atmosphere of the venue and the concert is. It's different when people sit, right? Oh, yeah, You'll very be different, like yeah. Yeah, I mean, people are a lot more relaxed when they're <laughs> sitting down. When they're standing, they're kind of a bit more yeah. energetic. Okay, well, thank you so far. Um, we'll come to our question and answer now. And we would, um, yeah, like to hear questions from the audience. Anything you would like to ask Katie, please raise your hand and uh, wait for our colleagues here with a microphone so we can have it on the podcast later on. 
my name is Dirk, and I have a question. And um, when we will hear the first song, Katie Milua featuring Toastland. Oh, when are you gonna uh, Katie Milua featuring? Oh gosh. Um, okay, so this is uh, we're talking about my husband's band. James is in okay. a in a band called Toastland, and uh, I don't know if you've. You must have seen the music um, online because it's it's pretty classic hard rock. So uh, I think it'd be quite a challenging gig to do that, don't you? You know, my kind of melodic. But that's a music. nice question. Um, do you do you actually sing together? No, we like don't. under the shower? No. <laughs> no, no. While scrubbing each other off? No, that's that's <laughs> it's getting very uh, soft pornish though, isn't no, it? No, I don't no. think we can go there. Uh, no. You know what, we, we speak loads about music, we argue about music, you know, because we're both really passionate about what we listen to. Uh, but his, his style is very much classic, heavy rock. Um, you know, and mine is, it is what it is. Do you so visit each other's concerts? Yeah, you know what, he's, he's, he was on the road up until, what is, it, uh, what is it today, Monday. Last Wednesday was his London gig. So um, that was fantastic. He was supporting Reef, the band, and. I'm so proud because when he retired from uh, motorsport, he was a motorcycle racer. Mm -hmm. You know, it was really hard to let go of something he'd been doing for 15 years. And he's just put so much into the music. He's really taken it so seriously and is so passionate about it. So, but thanks for the question. Thank you. Any more questions? Nice to meet you. A little bit excited. Um, how do you manage to be famous, how can you keep your privacy um, while being so famous and well-known? Well, I think there's a couple of things about that. First of all, um, I don't think I've ever really experienced the sort of the crazy level of fame um, that, say, maybe a Madonna type or a Lady Gaga type would have. Um, you know, and that's probably due to various factors but one of them I think is the fact that I you know I knew there was going to be a level of you know selling my music and I always insisted that that process of marketing and doing interviews and the you know being a saleswoman which is what you end up doing you know that's kind of what I'm doing now uh, that was always as much about the music and not not about my private life or anything that I thought was off bounds so I kind of tried to keep it to that at the very start. And I found that, generally speaking, in the UK, where the press is extremely, you know, I mean, they can, they can really come into your private life as much as you'll let them and sometimes more. But because I kind of set up that way of doing things at the start, it was just about the music. And I was lucky enough to have a team that supported that and didn't pressure me into doing anything that I was uncomfortable with. Uh, they've kind of kept that sort of respectful circle. Uh, so yeah, I think that's that's how you do it. So you, you have, basically, I'm surprised, if you have the right team uh, around you at the very beginning, and if you want to steer it that way, you can have more control over it than it would appear to be. But you know, I'm sure if you were part of a huge, a really massive, massive campaign, then maybe the level of control becomes limited. So do you get recognized a lot? No, no, I don't. I don't, not at all, it, you know, it hardly ever happens. I think over the last 10 years, maybe like, you know, a dozen times max. Okay, and where, in the UK rather, or in um, Germany? Or yeah, I mean, not, not anywhere specific, okay. just wherever. I mean, what's lovely is, 
I really, my goal was always to be a working musician. And that was kind of it, you know, and, and yes, the sort of the fame thing, certain parts of it are perks and are interesting, but I never, I never felt comfortable with the idea of losing the ability to be a stranger, you know, because it's a bit weird if you meet someone and they kind of already know what you do and they mm -hmm. already know how well you're doing or how badly you're doing. You know, you've got to be able to to rewind and I think a lot of artists would admire you, you for to. that because you you are really known for your music and not for what you've been wearing yesterday or whatever or with whom you are I mean of course people are interested but I think that every artist would want that because of course when they start they'll be like oh I, w I wish I were famous and people would recognize mm. me but then when it happens you're like I do music you know yeah. don't Tell me that I look fat or skinny or whatever. So um, I, I think it is qu probably quite. Uh, you're probably pretty blessed with that. I feel yeah, I do feel lucky about that. You know, there there's certain things you kind of have to relax about and chill out about, and you know, being asked about James and you know, of course, I don't mind talking about anything really. Yeah. But uh, it's just trying to, as long as the music is consistently good and, mm -hmm. and takes over anything else, you know, than what I'm wearing, then then I'm doing my job well. I think. You are, definitely. Do we have uh, one time for one more question? Anybody? Right in the middle there, the young man with the glasses. Uh, when you write your own songs, which is first, lyrics or music? Lyrics or music, did you say? Generally speaking, um, it starts with an idea, and that idea can either be lyrics or music. So I'm not, I don't tend to go either one or the other as a rule of thumb. Personally, for me, I'm much more quicker and easier in the music department than I am as a lyricist, but I will still write both lyrics and music. So when I do a co-writing session, I'll try to find a co-writer that is better at the lyrics, you know, because then, then we've got bo you know, both bases covered. Um, so yeah, just usually with an idea. I mean, for example, Mike, my collaborator and producer who wrote Nine Million Bicycles and Close Thing to Crazy, he will always start with a title first. So not even the lyrics, but the title. He's got to have the lyrical title because to him that is the, the foundation of the song. That instantly dictates what the song's meaning and vibe is. I think maybe to him, if, if you start with the music, it's too, the music is too um, wide of a field to kind of then take you to the next steps. Whereas for me, I will, I don't mind finding the melody first and then, and then searching for the lyrics, but it is slightly harder that way around. Thanks. So thanks, thanks a lot for the questions. And um, yeah, we will all buy the album. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for coming and, and thank you for your questions. Thank you for the beautiful music that has touched a lot of people's lives. Thank you so Keep much. Keep on doing that. Very thank sweet you, Katie. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.